Welcome to The Storytellers, the radio show and podcast that features those who choose to leave their mark on the world through the art of story. I'm your host, Grace Salmon. I look forward to our time together today. Now, let's meet our storyteller. Welcome to The Storytellers. Well, that didn't work, did it, Julie? Hi. <laughs> we had a little bit of a rough start there today on the storytellers. We had a little bit of some technology challenges on both ends of the microphone. It It is a pleasure to welcome Julie Cantrell. She is an award-winning, multiple award-winning author, New York Times bestseller, USA Today bestselling author. She's also an editor, a story coach, a TED Talk speaker and a ghostwriter. In addition to her writing, she also works with survivors of abuse and she works as an advocacy coach. She's a member of the Tall Poppy Writers, which is a nonprofit organization that works to promote the power of story and elevates the offices and the voices of women. With published works across multiple genres and across multiple languages, she now comes to us from Texas with hopefully no more glitches on either sides of our <laughs> microphone. And in her work there in Texas, in addition to keep writing, she shepherds other people's books to the shelves. Julie, thanks for coming to the Storyteller's Microphone. <laughs> Thank you, Grace. What would life be without technology quirks, right? It's just part of our daily lives these days. Thank you for inviting Thank me. You. This will be fun. It's great to have you. Um, Let's start right away with some of your most recent works. I'm Knee Deep in Perennials, which is your last novel. Thank you. And I'm just, I'm loving it. I love your voice, the way you capture the voice between the two sisters, particularly who are very young girls. And then your themes of family and faith and friendship, forgiveness, lots of F words there. <laughs> yeah. Talk to us a little bit about the Perennials and then some of your more recent work. Perennials was my latest novel. Thank you for reading that. It's set in Oxford, Mississippi, where I reared my children. So I lived there for 17 years, and it's an incredible community. Um, it's juxtaposed with some scenes in the book set out in Phoenix and Sedona, Arizona, as a complete contrast to the way of life, the landscape, everything uh, in comparison to Oxford, Mississippi. The theme is based on, you know, time and uh trauma and how we can choose to love one another in spite of all the pain and how family really is all we have in the end, um, even when it hurts. <laughs> you know, it's a uh, family is family, even when it's difficult. So I tried to explore that through a sibling relationship through two sisters that have become estranged. And I really thought it was going to be the lightest of my novels. And I have been surprised by how many readers have contacted me and told me they've, they've cried while reading it. They always cry when reading my books. but uh, yeah. um, And how much it has meant to them, because I was surprised to find out how many people have estranged sibling relationships and how many women in particular have difficulties with their sisters. Uh, in the family system. So I didn't, I, I have a half sister who's much younger than me and we get along great because I'm like the fun aunt. So I didn't write this based <laughs> on a, a troubled sibling relationship I have. Mm -hmm. So I actually was surprised to discover how common this fracturing is. And uh, it's been interesting to hear that from readers and hear their responses to the book. And I think it's a really important theme for people to explore because it's especially, you know, sometimes with you and your work uh, and other authors, we think, oh, it's all perfect. 
Yeah. And sisters are really, really a complex family unit. Yeah, that that's true. And I think, you know, I don't know why I explored it as sisters. It's just what came to me. Um, but I think what I was really diving at was when family relationships aren't smooth, when there is, you know, some dysfunction or some uh, tension or complexities or pain points, you know, that we try to live around. How do we learn to love one another uh, in a safe way? where we don't allow someone to destroy us or devour us and we don't hurt other people, you know, but that we can still have that bond and that love. Is there a way to navigate that in life? I think sometimes there is, sometimes that isn't, but that's what I wanted to explore. And I like how you talk about how you wanted to explore it. Is that how you approach your writing? Definitely. You know, a lot of times I write in first person and when, when writers write in first person, a lot of readers assume I'm writing about myself or my own stories while elements of my own experience and observations certainly trickle through my books in different ways and different characters. I really try to shift all of that into, in most situations, um, and honestly, a lot of times flip it. So I don't write what I know, I write what I want to know. I come at story with a curiosity, with a question I want to answer, with a, and usually it's based on relationship issues. You know, why do we do the things we do? What would make one person have an affair? What would make someone become estranged from their sibling or their parent? What would make uh, somebody abuse his wife? You know, I, I question myself and ask what leads a person into the point in their lives where they make these destructive choices that hurt the people who love them. And I think that's the common theme across all of my books, just done in different ways. So it's really a, a quest for knowledge turns you into a storyteller? Is that correct? A quest for knowledge and a quest for understanding. You know, I, I see writing fiction as a tool for empathy. And I think I've always been a naturally empathetic person anyway, and very compassionate, very understanding and accepting of all people. But it's always been my nature to kind of understand the pain beneath people's behaviors and understand that that soul wound that we all carry, that we all kind of try to dance around. And so my storytelling is really an effort to get, you know, not only increase my own understanding and compassion, but to help my readers who have navigated some of those journeys heal from seeing themselves on the page, seeing their stories have voice, and also to help readers who haven't experienced those exact traumas to feel more compassion and understanding for those people who have. I hope to bridge those gaps and, and make the world a little bit kinder place after someone puts down my book. Uh, that's my goal, to turn all that negative energy into something positive while actually looking at and examining those painful issues and topics that we usually don't want to uncover. And I think you do that so well, and I follow you on social media, and I've explored some of your interviews. You are probably one of the kindest, most generous, upbeat people. I saw a post that you did recently on Instagram where you talked about some of your nicknames and perks, <laughs> perks was one of them. And it was for being perky. Yeah, correct? that's true. My main name is Perkins. And I, you know, there's always something to people's names. And I think we are, my family has a lot of energy, a lot of positive energy. We are naturally optimist. And um, yeah, I think it's my nature to find the good and see the good in everybody. And to just keep going through those <laughs> incredibly difficult seasons of life and to trust that there's something 
bigger than what we can see and understand, you know, at the moments when we feel swallowed by it all. And you're not a stranger to some of those darker sides. And so I really like to focus on how you have found joy, because as you know, the storytellers is certainly about what we write, but it's also about why we write yeah. and what, who is the writer behind the words. And in what I've explored about you, Julie, there's this incredible sense of hope always, I think, your commitment to uplifting other authors, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, Tall Poppies if you want, mm -hmm. but also I, I listened to your TED Talk, and your TED Talk talks about coming to a party with a gift mm -hmm. and how we all have a gift. And you so beautifully share yours. And you also talk about some of the really hard things that I've heard about in other interviews. You talk about sex trafficking, suicide, leaving the party, if you will. Talk about a little bit of that. Yeah, you know, I think I don't know anybody who's had an easier, perfect life. I really don't. I think we can look at certain people and the image that we see or the presentation that we see on the surface and think, my gosh, they have a charmed life or they've never known pain, re any real problems. But when you really get to know people and listen to their stories, that's just not the case. I, I think we all suffer to different degrees. That is the human journey. We have to go through some suffering. Unfortunately, I don't understand why that's the human journey. I don't know why we're it's designed that way. But, but it, it seems to be, yes. It certainly does. And I think um, resilience is key. And, you know, not allowing all of these terrible things that happen in life to harden us and and make us lose our ability to love and be loved. I think a lot of people I have been told at times in my life, you know, that people thought I had a perfect life or I had an easy life or they envied me or they wanted to have my life. But they didn't know, <laughs> you know, a lot of the pain that I have been through and survived, like so many people have, you know, I do present with an upbeat spirit. That's my nature. I just keep going. But I have had tremendous trauma and tragedy in my life that most people would never <laughs> think. Um, and, you know, things that some, some are too dark to ever even tell or write about. But I do like to think about how do we get through those moments and love anyway, and have a joyful spirit anyway and continue having an open, trusting heart anyway, you know, that's, it's, that's the journey, that's the challenge. And I think that's the spiritual challenge of our lives. That that's the point. <laughs> Can we get through it and still be whole? And you explore some of that in your writing, you, uh, in your third novel, I think it was, you explored sex trafficking, which is yep. a very dark and dark, dark place. Yes. And it wasn't something I wanted to write about. I fought that nudge for a long time because it wasn't something I necessarily wanted to research or read about or learn about. Uh, it was too dark as a mother of two children. You know, I didn't enjoy reading books about things that happened to kids. I didn't want to, to go there um, and put all of my energy and focus into such a dark topic. But I went out to a place called the Hope House, which unfortunately now has since flooded and is no longer there in Louisiana, but it was being built in, in my community, my home parish in Louisiana. My mother had been an instrumental part in helping to create that place and uh, volunteered there uh, weekly and sometimes twice a week for a very long time. And so I went out there with her once or twice to help build a library 
And at that time, I met some of the women who were coming through Hope House and sitting there in the rocking chairs next to them on the porch, you know, I, I found myself questioning, why are they here and I'm here? Like what little pivots and choices at different crossroads in our lives put them in that chair and me in this chair? And it made me realize, you know, I had, I thought I'd never known anyone who had been trafficked, um, but it turns out I did. And it turns out any of us, it could happen to any of us. It happens to people from all walks of life. And I started really questioning, you know, why not me? Why didn't this happen to me? How did I become fortunate enough not to fall into the wrong hands and trust the wrong person? Um, I learned a lot in that book. And I think in the end, it was the book I really, my soul needed to write. <laughs> and I needed to write it for many reasons and many personal reasons. I learned a lot, but it taught me, um, it opened my eyes to a lot of what was going on in the world that I think I was very naive about uh, not knowing. Yeah. And I think with the sex trafficking issue, you know, I think we sometimes think like, you know, somebody's just getting snatched out of a bathroom at a gas station when it's really much more about domestic abuse and trusting the wrong people, if, if my understanding of it is correct. A hundred percent. And in my book, I do have a child kidnapped. And I, I went back and forth on that because that isn't usually, it's usually a long-term grooming with someone you trust and know. Um, I needed to do that for drama reasons for a novel. I needed a big action scene to start the novel. Um, if I was writing a different kind of book, it would have been a different kind of story. But the truth is people do get kidnapped every day. And one of the reasons I decided to explore the book is because of what happened with Elizabeth Smart. And I thought, you know, she was taken out. And if you remember that in, in yes, Utah, absolutely. in Utah. Yeah. And she was taken from one of the safest places imaginable in her upstairs bedroom with an alarm system. It happened to be turned off that night, but a security system. With her whole family home. Her whole family there, a two parent home, a very conservative, safe, guarded home, um, sharing a room with her sister. So you couldn't be more protective of your daughter. And then it happened anyway. So unfortunately, things do happen every day. And the more research I did, and the more girls I talked to, and boys and parents, um, there is a lot of that happening, kidnapping too. And, um, you know, I just decided to go with that, mainly because I had spent so much time as an educator in the schools. And my greatest fear as either working in the schools or being a room mom as a parent was chaperoning a field trip and losing a child. It was always so terrifying for me to be responsible for all of these kids in these crazy places we would go on field trips. Absolutely. And, think, I and I, with that. <laughs> I'm a speech pathologist, so I always had the kids who were a little bit more difficult to rein in. And I was always afraid. I usually had someone with autism or someone with, you know, some kind of struggle that would make it a little bit more difficult for them in these kind of settings and out of their routine. I was terrified all the time. And I've heard a long time ago, write about your greatest fear. And so I thought, well, there's one of my greatest fears, something happening to a child. And, and that's where I went. But I have to say, this book is not all darkness. I, I'm not voyeuristic in the abuse. I never am. Um, and really, the sex trafficking, the human trafficking is just there as the spine. The real theme of the book is all the ways we can be enslaved in life, whether it's trafficking or domestic violence or mental illness, depression, anxiety, lies that we believe about ourselves, insecurities, you know, all of these things can trap us until we lose our spirit. That's really what the book's about. 
And I think that is very much the theme of your work as I explore it. It's about finding that personal freedom and that personal freedom some, sometimes or perhaps almost always comes through love and forgiveness. Yeah. And that might be love and forgiveness of ourselves and love and forgiveness of others. Yeah. So your work, amazing. New York <laughs> Times and USA Today bestseller. I know that's not how you started, but what yeah. is that like? That is every author's dream, of course. What is that like? Well, it it is a dream. And it actually did happen with my debut novel, which is crazy. Um, but, you know, it was never my dream. I, I have to tell you, Grace, I always say I came into this publishing world by the back door with bare feet like any real Louisiana girl would. Um, I didn't ever take a writing class. I had no idea what I was doing. I published my novel on a whim. And I had no, when I wrote the novel, I wrote it in secret. And I wrote it from 3 a.m. to 5 a.m. in the mornings so that I wouldn't take away from anything I had to do to it for anyone else. I, I wasn't the kind of woman or mother or wife who did things for me uh, ever. So it was a real, if I was going to do this and not feel completely selfish, I had to do it at a time I wasn't going to sacrifice anything I that anybody else needed in me. So it was just a personal thing for myself. And I never planned on showing anyone, much less publishing it. So then later when I decided to, to publish it, when the characters just wouldn't leave me alone and let me go and they convinced me this wasn't my yes. story to keep, you know, um, I kept tapping you on the shoulder. Keep going, keep going. I know. 100%. Um, I still had no aspirations or goals. Like a lot of people write in public, like they have, they have all these things they want to meet. They want to get a publishing deal. They want to land an agent, well, agent. They want to land a publishing deal. They want to get an award. They want to land on a bestseller list. They want to get a movie deal. They want to sell it. And, you know, they have all these checklists. And the, the friends I know who do that, that's not wrong. But what I've observed is they never get enough for them to feel content and satisfied and, and proud of what they've done. It never feels all those boxes. They always want the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And I have never approached anything in life like that. I've always just kind of followed my heart and trusted that, okay, if I dare to put this out there, then the right people will find the right words at the right time in the right way, and the right thing will happen. And uh, some books have sold better than others, and some books have been received better than others, and every book is completely different. I don't stick to a genre or a marketing plan. It's just something I do from my soul, and that's all I can ever really do as a writer, I think. I just got lucky, and I'm grateful, uh, but I don't I don't have that as my goal. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And I, and, you know, I think that that's great advice in all of life. You know, I have friends who say, you know, I'd really like to meet a new husband or something. And I always think they're there when you least expect it. You know, not that yeah. we don't have to put our place, <laughs> not, not that we don't have to put ourselves in a place of being open or a place of opportunity Be uh, because if we don't do that that's nothing will happen right but i really think uh my approach is far closer to yours and i'm sure my novel is going to become a movie at any given time <laughs> <laughs> why not but hey, it happens to somebody and then it can happen to any of us you know there's no reason it can't happen to anybody i just think that the key is to be grateful and content and um, satisfied at every step what, whatever happens you know find that joy and contentment at, at each stage yeah I absolutely agree. Is there a secret, though, to having your work be, obviously, it's good writing, it's good questioning. Is there a secret? If someone wanted to do that, what are some of the, boy, you really need to, or is it really a matter of following your heart? 
and hoping oh, that the story land, takes you there. To land on the bestseller list? Mm -hmm. Well, there are lots of, you know, I, I don't think there's a perfect formula. If there was, everybody would know it and do it. And it wouldn't be sure. such, an, <laughs> such an honor and such a rare fluke, you know, to land there. There are different ways different people accomplish it and some more ethical than others. But I think for the most part, it's just that perfect, you know, lightning in a jar. Uh, mine was a rare, a rare bird. It wasn't, um, it didn't happen right out of the gate. It was kind of a grassroots word of mouth effort. Um, at a time when my marketing team at this, this publishing house, David C. Cook, kind of took a chance and gambled on a few unique things and it worked. It was just, we had the right energy and people behind us. And I got very, very fortunate. But, you know, I help edit and coach people. Um, and, and there is, there are certain expectations and certain genres, and it helps to meet those expectations. And publishers are looking for marketable work, work that has a marketing hook, authors who have a platform that they can sell their books through very easily, um, a lot of social media influence, public speaking influence. So all of those things kind of add up to be the perfect package. That said, we see exceptions happen every week on the list. You know, not everybody are these well-known big influencers or big um, society figures that land on the list. A lot of it is just really good, magical writing and storytelling. I mean, I look at like in it. the memoir, Tara Westover, for example, with Educated, she, nobody had ever heard of her. She didn't, exactly. she's not out there putting herself out there. Delia Owens with uh, the Crawl Dads book. She mm -hmm. is not, she's not publicly focused at all. You know, she's just a very good writer and she wrote a very good story and she took her time with it and she crafted it until she was happy with it. I mean, those things matter. They really do. I love that you shared that and the work behind being the author and also that sometimes it is just magic and yeah. uh, that is <laughs> that is the nature of good that is the nature of good storytelling. Yeah. I started today with the idea of um, part of your TED talk where you talked mm -hmm. about arriving carrying a gift. And um, I want to wind up there uh, as well. You you've brought us a fabulous gift today. Talk just for a minute, maybe about tall poppies, because you lift up women's voices, particularly there. And then we'll move to a far too quick close. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, the Tall Poppies was founded by Anne Garvin. She's a wonderful writer. And she realized early in her career as a writer that it was difficult to figure out how to market and sell a book and get her book out there as a woman um, who wasn't, you know, kind of in the industry. And she thought, why are we all trying to, you know, create the wheel again and again? Why don't we join forces and help support one another and elevate each other's stories? And so she was one of the first to kind of pull together a marketing collective. Um, there's about 40 of us now across different genres. Many of the authors in the poppies are best-selling authors or award-winning authors. Um, some of the top female voices that you see in the market today. And we basically just join forces and help each other learn the craft, learn the market, and then help promote each other's books and events when we have that kind of information to share. It's been a very positive thing. On top of that, we 
do some charity work. We help raise money and donate money to Girls Who Read and international organizations that help elevate uh, education for girls across the world. And it's really just a way to help get more women's voices out there. We do a writing contest. We do lots of things. And um, we also have a, a very active readers group on Facebook called Bloom, where more than 10,000 readers join authors in conversation every day. And so we just kind of bridge that gap and help elevate the voices, not only of women writers, but to celebrate women readers and the connection that we have together as storytellers and story readers. <laughs> that's fabulous. As we as we move to a final close, tell us Ooh. something that's quirky, different, something that people might not know about you. Oh my goodness, there's so many things, but uh, <laughs> probably a lot of people wouldn't know that I ran an organic farm. Our, our family owned a farm in Oxford, Mississippi for, for many years. And so I spent many years milking goats and raising bees and chickens and sheep and goats and cows and horses and dogs and cats, <laughs> lots of fruits and vegetables and having a farmer's market booth and selling to the restaurants and all that kind of stuff, making cheese. And yeah, it was a whole big part of my life that a lot of people don't know about. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Julie, thank you for being a gift at the Storyteller's Microphone today. Thank it's you. been a pleasure to have you. And this has been a copyrighted episode of The Storytellers by Grace Salmon and Authors on the Air, Global Radio Network. Thanks for being with us. Thank you very much. Have a That concludes this episode of The Storytellers. I'm so glad you could be part of the story today. I hope you share the stories, tell your own, and come back for another episode. Because when our stories are told, everything changes. I'm Grace Salmon. <laughs>